Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the BM Cast. Not a podcast that takes up more than 60% of Sanders' metagame and will likely avoid bans due to being the face mythic of the set, and we need to sell those packs. But the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott, and I'm joined by the core spirit dancer herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? I am doing good. In terms of magic, I've been picking up Zendikar, Rising Set Boosties, and some pre-release packs, because it's release weekend, as much as, you know, Omnath is destroying the format at the moment. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I've been playing a lot of Hades. If you haven't checked it out, yeah. I recommend checking it out, because Hades is so good. It's an action yeah. RPG, it's got great design, it's fun combat, lots of replayability, and yeah, it's probably my game of the year already, even though I've played like four hours oh. of it. That's a hot take, but I'll, I'll stick with it. Yeah, that says a lot. Yeah, how about you? What have you been up to? I'm doing pretty good. Magic-wise, this week has been pretty good. I got a lovely gift of a Zendikar Rising puzzle box from Wizards, which was very fun, and some lovely boosties as well, which you can see me opening, or trying to, on my Twitter. It should be my pinned tweet by the time you hear this. My latest article also has just gone up. It's probably one of my best, in my opinion, which I'm pretty happy about. It's about three different budget decks in Historic and how Companion can really bolster decks that have a low rarity count, which is particularly good for decks on Arena. You can check that out in Card Kingdom. Now, outside of Magic, however, I have been stuck into Among Us literally all week. My addiction persists. We need to do a BM cast Among Us at some point. Yes, it needs absolutely. To happen. <laughs> it can call you sus all the time. That'd be hilarious. I mean, I am sus. Let's be real. Good to know. I'll kill you first. <laughs> My best friend is the airlock. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to housekeeping. We would like to say thank you to the following new patron, Simon G. Welcome along. Thank you very much for your support. Every single bit of it is hugely appreciated. Thank you. So we'd like to note that any existing patrons will have access to our show notes every week now. So you can see how over and under prepared we are when we do our preparing for the podcast and any existing episodes. So once again, thank you for your support. And it just makes our lives a lot easier because it allows us to pay for our hosting fees and just get the BM caster out there as much as possible. So thank you very much. You all keep us alive. That doesn't sound weird at all. Let's move on as quick as humanly possible. So the main topic for today is a very different one for us. We're talking Commander. This is not something we've done before. We've mentioned it once or twice that we do play it here and there and we've built decks and all that kind of stuff. But I'm getting more into it. You're hugely into it. We should just be expanding our repertoire and talking more about Commander as well because it is an awesome format. We should be just doing more of it. And what better way to do more of it than to have our very first special guest onto the podcast, Mr. Angelo Guerrera, the Jess guy on Twitter and EDHREC writer. How are you doing, buddy? Hi, how's it going? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourselves? Yeah, we're great. We're very eager to learn of the commander stonks that you can teach us. By Shocklands. Stonks. Okay. Is that it? That, that's is, is, it. We just cut the episode there. Is that a- it? Episode <laughs> over. Just buy your Shocklands uh, in free real estate. I mean, yeah. Shocklands should actually just be called Shonklands. <laughs> Shonklands, yeah. I'm, I'm into that. That's what I'm going to call them from now on. Shonklands? Yeah. <laughs> Angelo, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, and where they can find you, first of all? Yeah, so I write for EDH Rec. I write on a Tuesday. It's a bit varying. I, I was doing weekly. I'm taking a bit of a break, but uh, I'm coming back with a vengeance in October, writing some spooky, scary articles. Mm. But I just really love Commander. I like being able to have a format to play with my friends. And I've been playing for 
like eight years now with like Return to Ravnica, and now I'm here writing things. I'm on Twitter at the Jess Guy, where I'm just talking about Commander and different shenanigans and. You know, people make fun of me for liking a bad color combination. It's all just, like, a really great time. I was going to ask you how it felt to be so close to perfection, only then to have white in your commander identity, but... Wow. I was going to ask you how it feels to be soulless and not have white in your color combination, but difference of opinions, I suppose. Feels great. (laughs) Well, like we said, we are going to go through a load of cards that are rotating. From Corset 20, Guilds of Ravnica, Ravnica Allegiance, and of course, everybody's set that they love to hate, War of the Spark. Correct me if I'm wrong, Angelo. There are so many cards from each of these sets that are just incredible in Commander, and that are definitely worth picking up soon. 100%. There are so many cards within the past year that have just made an impact on Commander in some way. And Mm -hmm. all the ones that we're going to be talking about today, or at least the ones that I wrote up to talk about... Just scratches the surface. Uh, These are ones that saw some standard play or had the prices increase uh, during their time in standard. And then come rotation, they drop. But there are so many other ones that have kept a huge price point, like Divine Visitation, where, you know, it stayed Mm. steady throughout its entire tenure in standard. Or Smothering Tithe, which does something similar. And we're not really going to talk about those today. I tried to leave those out. Uh, I want to make sure that everyone's getting stonks. I want to have everyone pick up stuff on the cheap right now before it goes back up. Listen to you with your stonks. I love it. This is the BMCast guarantee. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, let's kick into it. We're going to start talking about Corset 20, first of all. And the first thing you've got on the list here, Angelo, the Cavaliers. Yes. Mm. The Cavaliers, specifically the blue and the red one, saw a bunch of play in standard in the standard fires decks. And they were Mm. probably about like $10 to $15 each. Now all of the Cavaliers are about $2. They're big splashy mythics from a fairly unopened core set. And Mm. to me... Going in at $2, like, if you need one or two for a deck, most decks, if you're in one to two colors, might want them. You know, the the green one is a big reach knight that ramps you a card and gets you a card back. Like, what what green deck doesn't want that? The triple pips in the mana cost can be a, a bit pricey on your mana base, but if you're in one to two color decks you know, your deck is going to be improved by adding a Cavalier. For sure, yeah. I'm looking at the Cavalier of Dawn here, and it's probably my favorite one out of the cycle. Mm. Just being able to use Generous Gift and have a 4-6 with Vigilance sitting around afterwards that gets an enchantment back when it dies. Like, that is just such value. Mm -hmm. And being able to blink any of these, except maybe the blue one, very good. Mm. I'd like to Mm. blink the green one quite a lot myself. That sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next one you got is a ley line, and it's a mm-hmm. ley line that we haven't talked about yet. We talked last week about ley line of the void and ley line of sanctity. You got something a little different on here: ley line of anticipation. Yes. So when you both were talking about ley lines last week, I had already written this up. I'm like, oh no, are they going to talk about ley line of anticipation? And you didn't, and I was so excited because pre-reprint in Core 2020, ley line of anticipation mm-hmm. was twenty dollars, and now after the standard reprinting. It's down to six. And it didn't see a whole lot of standard play, but the price tanked. It hasn't really recovered like any of the other reprints. And Mm -hmm. uh, at $6, I think it's a really good spot to grab one or two. Vidalcan Orrery is the artifact version of that, and it's currently $30. Oof. Yeah. And I think that $6 is a bargain for this kind of effect. A lot of casual players like it. And most blue decks are 
improved by it. You know, Josh Lee Kwai talks about Vidal Kingori all the time on uh, the Command Zone. Yeah, like, yeah. People love that effect. People like being able to play their spells when they want. And uh, $6 is just, I think, a really good deal for that. It sees playing over 22,000 decks on EDA track. People mm. are buying it and people are playing it. Yeah, it's really sweet. Powerful card. Mm. So another one on the list that saw quite a bit of playing standard that might transfer well over to Commander is Agent mm. of Treachery. Agent of Treachery is a very mean card, <laughs> but it's also very good. It sees play in over 8,000 decks already. The only issue is, while it has dropped to $5, with the advent of COVID and webcam EDH, it's not terribly friendly for that style of play. So I'm not mm. sure if that will keep the price down or drop the price a bit more, but that is something to take into consideration. Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, treachery effect seems to be quite popular in Commander anyway, and just having a second effect just seems pretty cool, especially on a creature if you can like blink it or whatever. It just sounds really fun. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's very strong. I've just realized that I'm after shooing in an Agent of Treachery into my new Anuan, the Ruin Thief deck. And nice. I'm going to probably have to take that out if I'm playing with it on a webcam. Yeah. Or just get some tokens ready to, to write on and be like, oh, this is my opponent's Smothering Tithe yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Because Agent might not be the best pickup right now, I also have uh, a bit of an honorary mention with Elvish Reclaimer. It's been oh, yeah. actually going up the past couple months. Uh, it's up from $1 to 2 And because Corset 2020 is now out of print, the demand mm. is going to outpace supply. And Elvish Reclaimer is basically a mono green Knight of the Reliquary. And yeah. there's over 9,000 lands and landfall decks on EDH Rec. And Elvish Reclaimer slots into all of them. It lets you grab whatever lands you want. It gets bigger later on in the game. And it lets you do crazy things in like Lord Wind Grace and the Gitrog Monster and other lands decks like that. So that might be something to keep your eye on, especially since I've heard it's mm. also making some small waves in modern and even legacy. Yeah, there's some Selesnia Titan decks now in, in modern. And I don't know if they still run it, but legacy had... What deck was it? Was it Turbo Depths? Yeah, it's a Turbo Depths yeah. ran it for a yeah. little bit. I'm not sure if that's the case now because I don't really look at Legacy because it's not budget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it has seen fringe play in Legacy, so that kind of attests to the power of it. For sure. As we are rounding Corset 2020, is there any commanders that anyone should pick up from the set? Because if I recall, there was quite a few sweet legendary creatures from that set. Yeah. Court 2020 was a boon, especially the, the Wedge Commanders. And you look here... Uh, Golos, you know, five-color good stuff. The most popular five-color commander on EDH rec right now. Kaikar mm -hmm. is the most popular Jeskai commander. Yarok is the second most popular Sultai commander, only behind Moldrotha. Omnath is the third most popular Teamer commander. In Mono Green, you have Gargos only losing to Azuri. It's the second most popular green commander. This set just had banger commanders, and if you want any of them... Now is probably the time to pick them up while well, everyone's trying to just get rid of things because, again, it's not in print anymore. If you want one of these commanders, you know, you want to grab them. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah good call. Sure. Yeah. So that was Corset 2020. Let's turn our attention to Guilds of Ravnica, one of my favorite sets from the last while. It was when Standard was at a better time. <sighs> so long it. ago. <laughs> yeah. Back in the days where you could play Niv-Mizzet and not get punished. I remember when the top of the curve in Standard was Carnage Tyrant or Niv-Mizzet, and like that was it. Mine was Venerated Loxodon, and that was sweet as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. I remember when Mono White Aggro was like good. a good deck. Yep, I used to play it a lot. 
It was so good. sweet. Yeah. But we're not here to reminisce about how standard <laughs> can actually be decent sometimes when they do things right. But we are here to talk about cards that we can pick up for Commander. So there's a card on the list here. I can see it. Angelo, we're going to have to talk about this. Midnight Reaper. I love this card. It's a good card to love. It's very good. It is really sick. Like, in the decks that wanted, like, this is just insane value. You're just sacrificing creatures, drawing cards. Yeah, definitely. And to that point, it's already in over 10,000 decks on EDH Rec. Wow. It's in Aristocrats themes. It's in Sacrifice decks. And it was $4 because it was seeing play in Standard in the Racto Sacrifice deck. Yeah. It's down to 1 now. Wow. And, yeah, any deck that has things dying and is in black, so all of them, is going to want Midnight Reaper. It's another version of uh, Grimharu Specs, which is another creature yeah. that when non-token creatures die, you draw a card. Having redundancy in a singleton format is great, and Midnight Reaper is like a great pickup right now for that. It's also in relevant creature types, being both a zombie and a knight. Mm. Absolutely. So this is a card I played a lot in modern, especially in like budget mono green elves list, because it's just an incredible way to draw cards. Tell me about Beast Whisperer in Commander. Why is it so good? Beast Whisperer is fantastic. Not only is it an elf, which again is a relevant creature type. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you draw a card. It's seen playing over 24,000 decks and any green deck would be happy to include this. There is uh, an enchantment version of Beast Whisperer Guardian Project, which is $6 currently. Beast Whisperer, I would assume, is going to follow this trend, and the only reason why it's not going up in price at the moment is it was reprinted in Commander 2020 in one of the Ikoria decks. Mm. So I think that reprinting is keeping the price low right now, but with its high inclusion rate... And just every green deck wanting that effect, I think it being $2 to 250 right now is probably when you want to grab a couple of them for your decks. Mm. And then last but not least, another Whisperer is Doom Whisperer. This big boy is a big 6-6 flampling demon who allows <laughs> you to use your life to just throw cards from your deck into the bin. Mm. In Commander, with 40 life as your starting life total, you have so much wiggle room to just dump your life into effects like this, whether it's Sign in Blood or Doom Whisperer. You can use it in combo decks to dig through your deck and find what you need. You can use it with Labman things. You can fill up your graveyard in decks like Marin or Moldrotha. Or if you even just want a big demon for like Demon Tribal with Rakdos, it's another great card. It's also going up currently. It was $3, and it is $4.50 right now. Mm. I'm assuming that's because of EDH play, since no other format is using it, and it's a big, splashy yeah. mythic from Guilds of Ravnica. People kind of have eyes on it, it looks like. So that's something to keep in mind if you're a graveyard deck or if you want that kind of effect. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember when this first hit standard, yeah. and this was like $20 each. It was so much hype. Yeah. <laughs> People love that card. Yeah, when they saw the pay to life surveil two on it, they were like, oh, you could basically dump your whole deck into your bin. And then they realized that with 20 life, you can't really do that in standard. But with 40 life... You have a better option I, to be able to do that. Yeah, you could definitely do some silly stuff with that. Yeah, not going to lie, I kind of want to pick up one for Nefroy. Because it's a really good pod target, and I can just throw all my creatures in my bin and just bring them all back with Skyclaves. Sky just... mm. Yeah, that seems great. Yeah, that sounds really good. 
Gross, but really good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also worth pointing out the three cards that we picked there from Guilds of Ravnica. We were talking about these last night. They all sound like edgelords. I also said last night it's a really good name for a rogue D&D party because rogues are all edgelords in D&D. So. <laughs> as long as I'm Midnight Reaper, I'm fine with that. That's okay. You don't want to be Beast Whisperer or Doom Whisperer because they honestly just sound like they're trying to one-up each other. Yeah. You know, like, oh, well, my name's Beast Whisperer. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm Doom Whisperer. <laughs> like, they're all pizza cutters. All edge and no point. But <laughs> moving on. Very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. We're getting to Ravnica Allegiance. And this was where things started to get very interesting, for standard at least. Let's talk about this first card, Angelo. Wilderness Reclamation. It was the bane of standard for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now that it's banned and rotated, couldn't be further from standard. What are your thoughts on it for Commander? So, Wilderness Reclamation is a little strange. It's still 250, even though it rotated and got banned. It also got a (laughs) reprint in Core 2020 in one of the Ikoria decks. And the reason why mm-hmm. I think the price is sticking is right now it's seeing play in 15,000 decks on EDH Rec. Seedborn Muse, which is a much more robust version of Wilderness Reclamation, is seeing mm-hmm. play in 30,000 decks. So there's half inclusion on in Wilderness Reclamation right now. Mm-hmm. Wilderness Rec is a budget version of Seedborn Muse. And I know they've been trying to print mm. Seedborn Muse into the ground, and I know Seedborn Muse also lets you untap permanence and everything else, and it, you get to do it every turn. But in decks like uh, Yeva or Kalamax or other decks that have a lot of instants, Wilderness Reclamation is just a really good way to say, I'm going to ramp out my stuff, or I'm going to play all of my creatures and sorceries on my turn, and then be live on everyone else's. And mm. if Seedborn Muse is seeing play in 30,000 decks... And Wilderness Reclamation is seeing play in 15,000. I expect that number to increase, and 250 for this uncommon seems good. I don't think it's going to go down because of extensive EDH yeah. play, especially after getting a reprint and not affecting the price. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Just reminds me of the time when Prophet Crefix was legal in Commander. Ah, good old Prophet. The worst yeah. card ever printed for commander if you want a busted simic in commander that was the one mm-hmm. sorry oko sorry uro but yeah like, the, the og that card the og <laughs> simic it was so powerful and next we've got on the list is one i've been a fan of actually i played it a lot in mono white went back in standard blew a lot of players out with this and that's unbreakable formation why is this a good option to pick up so unbreakable formation and i might get a lot of flack for this i'm being a bit hyperbolic when i say this but it's budget Teferi's Protection. Um, sure. Teferi's Protection being like a $40 card right now where you can just nope out of the game is very powerful. And this doesn't come close to that, but it can save your board. At instant speed for three mana, you can make all your creatures indestructible. Or if you mm. play it on your turn during your main phase, you can give them all indestructible, vigilance, and put a counter on all your creatures. There's a lot of synergy there. With counters decks, there's lots of synergy there with small aggressive white and boros decks. It's really versatile. It can be used defensively to save your board from a board wipe, or you can use it to press the advantage and pressure opponents. And I think the versatility and being able to bolster aggressive decks is worth looking at. It's already seeing play in 7,000 decks. And it's only about $2 right now. It hasn't gone down at all. Also hasn't really gone up at all. But 
it's one of the best versions of that effect, aside from Teferi's Protection. That makes a lot of sense. I can definitely yeah. see this as a budget placeholder on Teferi's Protection. It's a good shout. I didn't think of it that way, actually. Yeah, yeah it's a good way of looking at it. Now, Angelo, tell me why you have one of the most popular Orzov commanders probably ever at this point on the list. It's for that reason. It's a <laughs> Tesa Karlov is <laughs> it, one of, if the not most popular Orzov commander of all time. She is currently $2 up from $1. She has over 3,000 decks on EDH rec. She's included in over 4,500 decks. People love panharmonicon effects. People love killing their creatures, and people love tokens. All those things are great casual strategies and things that people really like to do, and Tesa does all of those things on one card. If you want to double your afterlife effects or other death triggers, if you want to just go the token route, you can, and Orzov Tokens is a good deck. Tesa really is just a really good package to get all of those things in, and I think... $2 is cheap for a card that does all of that. Whether you want to have her lead a deck or put her into a deck like Nathroy or anything else, you know, she slots in very easily. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. It's quite interesting because we had this discussion last night when we were talking about commanders from Ravnica Allegiance and how Vanifar was considered to be the most sought-after commander just because she's got this birthing pod effect. But it's just really interesting just to see how Taser has just become, like, the best option from that set. Yeah. Um, I know Jason Alt, my boss, talks about it a lot on Brainstorm Brewery where... When Vanifar was spoiled, everyone's like, wow, Vanifar is going to destroy EDH. It's going to be the most popular commander from Ravnica <laughs> Allegiance, hands down. And people bought things out, and they kept saying, we're going to build this, we're going to build this, we're going to build this. But all the casual players who aren't plugged in, who aren't on Twitter, who aren't on Reddit, saw Tesa and built 3,000 Tesa decks. And all of the cards yeah. for Tesa went up instead, and all of the stuff that got bought out for Vanifar just dropped. And now Vanifar yeah. only has, you know, uh, a, a few hundred decks to her name, whereas Tesa is the most popular from that set. It's something yeah. that really puts into perspective how many casual players there are and how disconnected mm. a lot of those players are from social media. It's a really interesting yeah, way just sure. to look at it. Another card that goes really well in Tesa Karlov is Priest of Forgotten Gods. I feel like this is a really good like, sacrifice engine in those style of decks. Yeah, Priest, similar to Midnight Reaper, saw play in the Rakdos Sacrifice decks in Standard. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was $3, and now it's down to a buck fifty, two dollars $2 each. And any Sacrifice decks, Aristocrats decks, anything along those lines, want Priest of the Forgotten Gods. It generates mana, it draws you cards, it punishes your opponents, and it's also a Sacrifice outlet. Yeah. It's seeing playing over 9,000 decks right now on EDHREC. And I can't see this being 2 to $3 much longer. It's one of those cards, like Tesa, where it does everything a casual player wants. It progresses your game plan, it puts you ahead, it draws you cards, and it also hurts your opponents. Like, how do you not want a card like that? It does everything you want. <laughs> I love a bit of DJ Priest. Based on the art, they look like they're holding, you know, their hand up for a headphone and they're, they're at, like, turntables. DJ Priest. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the party ready before War of the Spark happens. Oh, God. Yeah, which is what we're moving to now. Once again, we're moving to War of the Spark. To be fair, I feel that War of the Spark probably had less of a negative impact on Commander than it did on, say, Standard or literally any other format. So (laughs) 
this is probably going to be more of a positive, I guess. Yeah. The, well, oh. maybe after the first card that we're going to talk about, which yeah. is Narset, Parter of Veils. Yeah, <laughs> Narset is a very mean card. People in EDH use it in wheels decks to do things like Leovold did, where you just go, mm. wheel your hand, you have basically no cards left. It's not casual player friendly, for the most part. No. But she sees playing 24,000 decks right now, and she's only about a dollar. All of the people that were playing four of her in Standard got rid of her because you can't play her in Standard anymore. Yeah, she sees playing Modern mm-hmm. and even Legacy, but you know she's also good in EDH. She's best used yeah. when being mean, but you can also use her in a Spellslinger deck. You can also use her in a way to fish out cards from your deck while also making sure that your opponents aren't getting too ahead. Yeah, it's a sweet one. I will admit that there have been several decks where I've had to be disciplined and not include her because I didn't want to be that guy. Like, it's really good. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those cards that you just play and you're immediately the threat player. It's just It can just bend the game in, in such a way yeah. and they go, oh, cool, I have to deal with this card if I want to like draw cards or do anything else to continue my game plan. It's very powerful. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, similarly, the next card, too, is Ashiok Dreamrender. Ashiok is seeing playing over 13,000 decks already, and Mill is a very oh, wow. popular archetype. People mm. love trying to mill people's decks, even if they are 100-card decks. It's like Chinese and, mode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Ashiok is just the total package. They do everything you want. They have desirable effects, and they torment your opponents, which most people in blue-black probably want to do in Commander. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Agreed. I find it very funny that this is the kind of card that as soon as you play it, the graveyard decks in particular see you as the threat, but they can't really do a whole lot about it because their graveyards are then gone and they're just sitting there with like a bunch of mopey creatures that are good at enabling graveyard things, but literally nothing else. And yeah, yeah I always find that very funny, but it yeah. is definitely one of those cards that people just look at and they're like, oh, no. Yeah, it's similar to Narset. You just kind of have to deal with it if you need to do anything. You know, Stranglehold was really good in Commander at one point just because it stopped people finding cards. And Ashok just kind of does this and has this neat ability on top of it. Yeah, play more Graveyard Hate, yeah. everyone. Trust me. You'll thank me later. Oh, yeah. Please don't. I'd rather you didn't <laughs> from a Nefroi green-black <laughs> approach. <laughs> now, if I'm not mistaken, Angelo, you have a rant this week. I do. Not me. Yes. I mean, you can also have a rant if you'd like, but I'm going to get up on my soapbox. I probably will. Go on. <laughs> what are we ranting about? All right. I'm ranting about God Eternal Oketra. Or Ooh. not her, but people not playing her and people not understanding how good of a card she is. She only leads 600 decks on EDH Rec, but she's included in 7,000. She's very good in token strategies. She's a recursive threat. She will never die. You know, she'll just go back on top of your library. And she basically doubles all of the creatures in your decks. Whenever you play a creature, you get a 4-4. Now, she is, in my opinion, the best mono-white commander printed in years. You had Jeru, who can tutor up Planeswalkers that could also provide card advantage, but God Eternal Oketra mm-hmm. being this engine that just pumps out 4-4 free Vigilance zombies whenever you play a creature is card advantage in Mono White. Yep. Card advantage isn't just drawing cards. It's also getting ahead on board. 
tacking on a free 4-4 to every creature you play, especially if it's a white main lion, where you can just keep replaying it and get free 4-4s, will put you ahead on board and make it so that you don't need to play cards in your hand. It's basically drawing cards. And people are, I feel, are just too caught up in the fact that white can't draw cards. People ask for white card mm -hmm. advantage... But they're really asking for, let's draw cards. I want white to have card draw. You're missing God Eternal Oketra. She is great at the head of a mono-white deck. And she should have more than 600 decks to her name. And she's only $5 right now. Down from about 20 when she was in standard. So she's oh, wow, a, that's a drop. Yes. She's a big, splashy mythic. She's a legend. She's powerful. And she's also a great option in mono white to be a commander and address problems that people have been asking for for quite some time. And so I just love Oketra. I know that she was the bane of limited in war limited, but I think she should have more decks than that. And I think people need to take a second look at her and be creative about her. I'm inclined to agree. And I definitely agree with you on the point that a lot of people don't understand that card advantage doesn't mean just solid cards in hand it's mm. value based on the resources that you've put in are you getting more than what you've put into it and yeah god eternal aketra 100 percent covers that it's not your typical card advantage but it's great yeah more importantly god eternal aketra has this really interesting typing she is a zombie and she also makes zombies when a creature is cast so if you have like an esper zombies deck it's a really good win condition just because you play a zombie, you get a zombie out of it. And with all the lords that you have available, it just seems really, really powerful. Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. People aren't respecting her as much as they should be, in my opinion. All right. Are you good? Have we normalized post-rant? we happy I'm now? I'm good. Yeah? Thank you. Okay, good, good. Let's talk about Ugin. Yes. Ugin. A lot of things about Ugin. Ugin is a colorless combo piece. In certain decks, like Elsha, where she can go infinite with Sensei's top, Ugin is mm -hmm. great in mono-white decks, where he is card advantage. You know, his plus one will make you a creature, and then when it leaves the battlefield, you basically draw that card. He is colorless removal, and he is only 350. You know, he's great in artifact decks, too. He slots into any yeah. deck you want. Any deck could, in theory, be improved by Ugin, even if he isn't adding a whole lot of synergy. You know, the first Ugin uh, has a bit of a problem where if you minus X, you run the risk of wiping your entire board. But if you're running this one, you can just pinpoint removal, or you can just start adding to your board an amassing card advantage. And for a colorless card like that, especially for a Planeswalker, I think 350 is a great price to grab some of them, especially because... War was such a good set and people are, you know, hoarding sealed product and everyone's buying things up right now. Ugin, to me, if you had to buy any one card from this list that I am talking about right now, I would say grab your Ugins. That is the card that I have my eye on. Mm. Some stonks right there. Yeah, Ugin is great. Worth noting that we are talking about Ugin the Ineffable, by the way. I didn't make Sorry that clear at the that. start. Not Ugin the Spirit Dragon. <laughs> no, that, that's on me. That's on me. But yeah, it's gross. If I was considering more of a value approach to my Teshar deck, I'd probably include Ugin. Mine is a more combo variant. Mm. So I don't really need it because the pieces all just combo anyway. They don't need to be reduced in cost. But yeah, it'd be sick. Yeah, when things all cost zero mana, 
how much more can you want? Yeah. yeah. A card I completely forgot was in War of the Spark, I'm going to be honest with you, is Karn's Bastion. Karn's Bastion, to me, is similar to Ugin, where it is a colorless card that can go into any deck. It's already seeing play in 17,000 decks on EDH rec already. Jeez. Yes. And wow. it's between 250 and $3. Any Planeswalker strategy, any 1-1 counter strategy, any Infect strategy... Any strategy that involves any kind of counters at all is improved by adding in Karn's Bastion. It has an incredibly low opportunity cost where it's just a land slot. Mm. You know, even in Atraxa, you can afford one Karn's Bastion. That way you have another way to proliferate when she inevitably gets hated down because the board hates Atraxa, understandably. Mm. But it's just a great safety valve to be able to, you know, oh, well, I have... One counter on three of my guys, well, now there's two. Now there's three, you know? It it just, it keeps accruing value, and being able to get put into any deck is something that catches my interest. Would it be worth, while you're at it, picking up the other creatures that have things like Enter the Battle Proliferate, would they be worth including to pick up for other strategies? Maybe not as wide-reaching as Karn's Bastion, necessarily, but... So... I think it depends on how good the card is and also the rarity. So Garn's Bastion is a rare, and it's a land. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be less of them than, I believe the card you're talking about is Palombrite Druid. That's a common and in green. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a good card, and you you can include it into any decks that have a bunch of counters. But you you can only include them into decks that have green. And they need to have counters, mm-hmm. whereas this one, yeah, you need to have counters, but you can go into any one. I'd look maybe more towards the uncommons. I know there's the uncommon merfolk that you can put a plus one, plus one counter on a creature when it ETBs, and mm-hmm. I think you can pay five mana to proliferate. It's in Simic. I think it's merfolk skydiver is the card. Skydiver, yeah. yeah. Like, that yeah. That would be one that I'm more inclined to look at, even if it is in two colors, because it's an uncommon and can proliferate. Also, you have Evolution Sage, which is a really good one. If you're playing lots of lands and whatnot, you can just keep proliferating away. I believe that card's shooting up anyway because it's quite popular in Commander just because a lot of people like to play Lawn Wind Grace-style decks. Yeah, that's a nice proliferate target as well, or payoff. Yeah, I do got to give a little shout-out to Flux Channeler as well because (laughs) casting non-creature spells, that's obviously going to be good. Yeah, but both of those cards are very good, especially Evolution Sage. You know, I have a Lord Windgrace deck, and when I play Evolution Sage and minus Windgrace and get back two fetches, I'm up on loyalty on Windgrace instead of being down on loyalty. You know, if I scape shift, then I get 14 to 20 Evolution Sage triggers. Like, there are certain proliferate cards that go great into all of these decks. And the more repeatable ones are the ones that you should probably take a look at. Those are the ones that are just more abusable. Mm. Now, I can't help but notice, Angelo. Yes. Right. We're at the Budget Magic Cast. Correct. We have a card that is more than 5 to $10. Yes. What is Liliana Dreadhorde General doing here? Yeah, so Liliana Dreadhorde General... If you look, you can find her anywhere between $12 and $20. I know that this is a bit more expensive than what either of you normally talk about. But the thing Mm -hmm. with Liliana is she's seeing play in 12,000 decks in EDH rec, and there is a bit of a price disparity right now. If you can get her cheaper, get her now, because she is the headliner mythic of War of the Spark, and she does very desirable things for any deck in black that wants zombies 
drawing cards or killing things, which is literally every black deck. Any deck that can, you know, sacrifice three creatures a turn, which is a lot of them, you just draw three cards. She also does it herself where mm -hmm. she comes in and she casts Barter in Blood and makes everyone sack two creatures. Well, she comes down, kills eight things and draws you two cards. Or she can just come down and give you a zombie, kind of like when we were talking about Oketra. Any zombie deck that wants Oketra will probably want Liliana. Zombie decks want her, Sacrifice yeah. decks want her, Aristocrats decks want her. Every deck with black wants this card. And the cheaper you can find her, the better. But also don't break your bank for it. You know, there there is Midnight Reaper if you need draw cards. There are mm. cards like Barter and Blood or even Crux of Fate if you want to wipe the board or sacrifice creatures. But it is something to keep an eye on if yeah. you can spend a bit more. I can appreciate that. Yeah, mm. I can respect that. Liliana is very, very good in Commander. I used to play Corvold. Uh, Corvold. Um, and she was very, very good in Corvold because he drew cards. He got value off Corvold as well, which was mm -hmm. super nice. Yeah. Now, I know I just asked you about Liliana, okay? Yes. But <laughs> the disrespect. The disrespect, yeah. Angelo, of coming on to our podcast and talking about <laughs> Teferi Time Raveler. How dare you? <laughs> uh, everyone uh, who's listening, I also edit a winky face in the show notes specifically for Scott because I knew it would make him <laughs> quite mad. <laughs> Teferi. We all know Teferi. Great in standard. Mm, yeah. Modern. Legacy and EDH. Teferi shuts down interaction, which usually isn't a good thing for EDH. Um, the reason why I put Teferi on here is because he's down from $20 to about 8 And in more competitive or higher power level decks, Teferi is the perfect topper for combo decks or decks looking to win the game. You can mm. start assembling your combo play Teferi, lock other people out from being able to stop you, and then go off. You know, whether it's a Splinter Twin kind of combo or some sort of Lab Man or Oracle of Thassa kind of thing where, you know, you get rid of your entire deck and win the game. Uh, mm. Teferi lets you do all of those things and also is a pseudo leyline of anticipation for your sorceries. You can plus one on Teferi, and now all of your sorceries are instants. And we, you know, we talked about earlier how good Leyline of Anticipation is and how popular that is. You get that for your sorceries, and then his minus three bounces something and draws you a card. It's a mean card. You know, I'm not going to deny that. You know, if you're not going to play Narset Parter Avails in your deck, you probably shouldn't be playing Teferi Time Raveler. But for people who want stronger decks or to just grief the table, Teferi Time Raveler. <laughs> <laughs> had his price cut in half because of rotation, and that's also something yeah. that I did want to mention. Yeah, I, I can, yeah, yeah, I can respect that to a certain degree. I guess, sort of. I think if you play combo and you're really leaning on needing the combo to win, so dramatic sets is another good example where you'd probably want to fairy as well, just as a way, just to go, oh yeah, cool, I played this card, you can't do anything, I can now win. Not every deck's going to want it, but it's just really powerful in the decks that do want it. For sure. All right, well, that was a serious amount of cards. <laughs> Props to you, Angelo, for doing a lot of the legwork for this episode. So we're going to reward you with putting you on the spot for a minute. We got a Q&A section. We have it specially for you I am down. this week. We have asked the listeners on Twitter to ask questions, and I think we're going to fire a few at you now. It's just put you on the spot, see what we get out of you. So, Emma, do you want to take the first question? Yeah. So, at Paul Kinter Plays asks, 
If Angelo was planning a pod where everyone was going to run a Jeskai commander, which commanders would you want to see? You can't have repeats. That's not not allowed. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of cheat because my answer is I want a pod with all the different Jeskai partner commanders, but all in different combinations. You can't have a full pod without repeating some of the pieces, but you can have all the combinations be different. And the reason sure. for that is I don't want to see Narsa at the table. I don't want to see Numa at the table. I like Jeskai, but I understand that some cards aren't conducive to fun games. And by doing all the partner commanders, who are all pretty bad, except for the Boros ones, ironically enough, it would be a fun time. All similar power level, all interesting decks. Sure, that's a fair answer. No Kaikar, no? No, Kaikar <laughs> has a tendency to also combo, and I don't want to give anyone that option, really. Vadrock's good as well. Ah, uh, Vadrock. Oh, I love Vadrock. People are sleeping on Vadrock, too. If I didn't rant about Oketra, I'd be ranting about Vadrock right now. <laughs> we'll wait for the next rotation. We'll get you back oh, on. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. G. Devi asks, what is the most fun counterspell in Commander, and why is it Days? If it wasn't for Dovin's Veto being a card and playable in Commander, I would agree that Days is the most fun counterspell. But alas, I need to disagree. Dovin's Veto has my heart. I know you guys can't see because you're listening to the podcast, so you can just see Scott's face right now. It is sheer disappointment. Scott gets counterflux. He can't complain. <laughs> I do feel like I need to issue some clarity on my rant last week about Dovin's Veto. Okay. Okay. When I was talking about Dovin's Veto last week, we hadn't branched the BM network out into Commander yet. I was talking about Modern and Pioneer. Okay, if you're playing a bunch of like Dovin's Vetoes and sideboards in Modern or Pioneer or whichever, and you, you just want to force a lack of interaction like that, just like you would with Teferi, that's that's no bueno. That's not great. I hate that. That's terrible. That's what the rant was about last week. In Commander, sometimes you need something like Dovin's Veto to be like, no, 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 no. This is definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, not happening. And that's okay. And also, it's, it's one out of 100 cards. That's fine. That's fine. Just like I'm fine with Counterflux, Dovin's Veto is fine in Commander, I think. So, yeah. Okay. So if I so if I pack four uncounterable counter spells, you're going to be okay with it because they have different names? Well, they're also <laughs> in 100 cards instead of 60. Mm, so interesting. in Standard and Pioneer and stuff, people didn't run four Dovin's Veto. It was normally like two or three. So They're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Lena the Main asks, what is your favorite article or deck that he'd be built or wrote about? Oh, really easy for me. And this is going to come as a shock. Mono Black is my favorite single color combination because it can do so much. And so my favorite deck that I've built is Gonti. Gonti yes. being able to steal things off of people's decks. It's very cheeky and really fun. I like being able to like look at four cards off the top of people's decks and like grab a land and they're like, oh my god, you took the best card out of my deck, I'm sure. And I'm just like laughing there. I'm like, I took a land. You took the Dovin's Veto. Yes, correct. Always grab Dovin's Veto. <laughs> As for articles, uh, I think it's a, a tie between Mono White Yorian and Azorius Reanimator with Niambi. I got to write and do really interesting things in Mono White and Azorius that you don't usually get to do in those colors. And it was really mm -hmm. fun kind of breaking the boundaries and trying to make a fun and functional, unique deck. I gotta say, if it wasn't for your Lutri article, I would have picked Mono White Yorian as my favorite article of yours. Yeah. So Thank you. MDG Naya Guy asks, my mostly serious question is, how long of a rant will Angelo and Scott go 
about is it and Jeskai on the podcast. Well, I didn't get a rant on is it, but now that we just talked about Lutri as well, let me just say <laughs> it is an absolute shame that they have not made a rules change to be able to include Lutri as a commander, but not as companion. I agree. I just want my little sea sausage at the helm of my little is it deck casting little spell. I just want a dual caster mage that's just an otter in my command zone. Like, is that so much to ask? Is it really? I already say. <laughs> I agree. Free Lutri. I agree. Yeah. Free Lutri. We'll start a campaign. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. Hashtag free Lutri. All right. <laughs> but but yeah, no, uh, we don't have a long enough rant. That's for sure. I definitely would like to rant about Jeskai or is it more? But I'm trying to rein myself in. <laughs> I'm also trying to be good now that we have guests. So I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> but MTG Nyagai actually had a more serious question. And they ask... How well do kicker spells scale in Commander, or are they draft chaff only? So, I'm going to give a very unhelpful answer and say, it depends. Ah, (laughs) we call this the Scott answer. (laughs) 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 So, it depends on the spell itself and the commander that you're using it in. Like, there are some that Mm. are, like, acceptable I guess, like into the Royal when you could just be running, you know, Cyclonic Rift if you have the money for that. But, you know, if you're running Halar or Verizal, you know, the two kicker commanders in Gruul and Simic, then, you know, all your kicker spells get very good. I I will say, if you're playing on a budget, uh, kicker spells, they trade efficiency for versatility. And so being able to... Say I have an early drop, like uh, Orin Reef Recluse, which is a cute little spider. It's a 1-3 three for 3 with reach. That's all mm-hmm. it does. But if you pay 3 more mana into it, it comes into play and kills a flyer. Like, having that kind of versatility can be good in certain decks, and it's also helpful for people on a budget, so that way you don't need to spring for Cyclonic Rift and you can play into the Royal. No, it's not nearly as good, but it is an option. Mm. Like I said, you're trading efficiency for versatility, and if you're okay with that, I say add them. I'm not in the market to tell people what to or not to play in EDH. I just want them to know their options, and they can make their own choices. Sweet. That makes sense for me. And with that, our show's coming to a close. Angelo, thank you so much for coming along and showing us all of the key spells and cards to pick up from the rotating sets for Commander. It was great having you on. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, been it's good to have someone that appreciates blue and red admittedly with a little bit of white but that aside uh so one last time for everybody listening where can we find you and what do you do yeah um well first of all thanks for having me on it, it was a blast i really enjoyed talking to both of you i write for edhrec my articles come out on tuesdays and you can find me on twitter at the jess guy i'll engage with you there i'll do my best sometimes you know i have add and don't get back to people right away, but I can guarantee you I will try my best. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Hopefully I'll, you know, see you guys again. And to everyone else, wear your masks, be safe, and be smart, please. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay. Thank you for listening to the BM Cast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com. You can follow us at the BMCast on Twitter, search for Budget Magic Cast on SoundCloud, and support us over at patreon.com forward slash budgetmagiccast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.
Are you actually doing yard work while recording, Emma? Because if so, that's very impressive. No, I don't have a yard. We're joined by the leaf blower herself. <laughs> Emma, how are you doing this week? <laughs> I'm the imposter. 